All right. Happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another Learning Tech Talks where, you know what, we're exploring the landscape of technology today a little bit, but not so much in a... In, we will in ways that you may not expect, so more to come on that. But today I'm joined by Blake Bozarth, and I think I said that right, didn't I? It Close? was it was yeah. a valiant effort, um, Bozarth, it was a valiant. but it was, it was very valiant. Darn it. Darn it. Darn it. Well, you know what? I should have asked, and I, as, soon as, we, as soon as I hit the countdown music, I went, shoot, I did not confirm this, one, but <laughs> it's fine. I was close, and a valiant effort. I'll take it. So we're talking about probably, quite possibly, one of the most talked about topics right now in the space is leadership development and the skills associated with that. So we're going to dig into that. We're going to talk about going beyond the cohort, some of the things we're seeing with leadership development post-pandemic or actually in the middle of a yeah, pandemic. Right. So we're going to go in a lot of different directions with this. We're going to have a lot of fun just riffing on the topic. But before we get into it, we got to we got to get to know Blake a little bit more. We now know it's Bozarth, not Bozarth, so Boom. we're good with that. Like a pro. But we also got to find out where are you in the world today? And for those of you watching, tell us too. Join in, let us know, enjoy, the, you know, participate in this because that's the whole fun of this. But Blake, where are you today? I am in the land of the Mickey Mouse. So we are in Winter Garden, Florida, just about 30 minutes okay. from Disney in the greater okay. Orlando area. And we moved here a couple of years ago from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and to be honest, I'm a baby about cold weather, man, and I um, I could never go back. Anything I think anything further than like Ocala, Florida, maybe is about all I can tolerate okay. these days. All right, so we won't see you in Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Thick skin, I think. Thick skin. It, uh, uh, it's got to be. <laughs> All right. Well, I am where I always am here in Waukesha, Wisconsin, joined by my friendly house plant, Fred. And um, so let's shift gears into our icebreakers. Get to get to know Blake a little bit more, a little bit about me as well. But Blake, for you, all right, what were some of your favorite TV shows as a kid? And this will date you a little bit, but maybe not, because when you hear my answer, you might be like, oh, I think you're going back different. But let's hear it. I can't, can't wait for that. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is one that I've introduced my three-year-old to now, and okay. he wants to hear the theme song all the time now. So we play it in the car. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That, that's that Teenage was that was the Mutant big Ninja one for Turtles. me and my older brother. We wanted okay. to watch some right. Raphael, Donatello, all right. Michelangelo. It's like one Saturday morning type stuff, right? Like Saturday oh, hundred percent. Oh, 100%. for sure. Wake up in the Those morning, the get your bowl of cereal. I know, I know. I mean, that's one of the best parts about having kids is that those days return. You get it's kind of true. You kind of get to participate yeah. in them again. All right, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you have a favorite Ninja Turtle? Yeah, it was Raphael, actually. I just love the little Raphael. Siths. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So mine was probably, I I was Leonardo for sure. Were you? Although Donatello was pretty cool. Anyway, we'll talk about Ninja Turtles. Well, they, they were actually yeah. the better leaders, to be honest. That's what we're talking about today. So that's <laughs> ironic. That's ironic you said that. My personality is probably more of a Michelangelo. <laughs> that's what I thought you, you would know, have said, I, honestly. Right? I think some people would be like, really? I would have thought Michelangelo. But um, okay, so for mine, see, this is where mine would, would not necessarily come but i've got a few of them because this is why i couldn't narrow it down to one which is why i said some but i grew up a ton watching mr ed and the original dennis the menace i loved classic nick at night like stuff like those i didn't know that was a show oh. I, I, I feel like i need to dig the dig the archives you, up yes you should look back into the original dennis the menace i think you can actually see, watch it on the roku channel or something now my kids now no i actually way. got them to watch so very good all black and white but i was i loved it but on a more kind of age dating one and now i've got my kids hooked on it big time ducktales I loved that's good ducktales and I could actually sing the entire theme song but for everyone's sake <laughs> I will not um, but if somebody asked me to and, and maybe it was a party I would probably sing the ducktales theme song so that's anyway and like I said kids love it it's it's good it's on uh, the Disney plus wholesome entertainment wholesome entertainment I know some of the stuff out now I'm like watch no, it. kids you're, you're not watching yeah. that sorry not allowed all right, so let's shift gears. Let's shift gears over because we're going to talk about leadership development, talk about this whole moving beyond the cohort, what we're seeing from a trend standpoint in this pandemic world. But before we do, Blake, you know, is this 
is this an area that you've always been in? I mean, tell tell people a little bit about your background so they know who you are, because obviously you're the co-founder of CoThrive or the founder of the CoThrive. So you have some space there, but how did you end up there? Yeah. Was that something you always knew you wanted to do? Yeah, so I, um, I actually grew up in one of these, it was actually a pretty robust leadership pipeline program. So I'm sure a lot of folks listening may be familiar with these. Was in a Fortune 250 company, never necessarily saw myself in a big corporate coming out of college, but to be honest, it was So was this right out of college? Right I out of college. People, okay, so yeah. right out of college. we're probably in the space familiar with these programs where like you're getting recruited and then yeah. it's like, hey, do you want to come be part of this? Special yeah, and this program. this this one was yeah. about a four to five year program. So as opposed to like a, oh, wow. lot, a lot of rotational okay. programs are three to six months in a different rotation. This was about a year to year and a half in different rotations, and it was just it was an amazing experience. I mean, it was uh, it was a yeah, it was a Fortune two hundred and fifty, and just the exposure to C suite at such a like I'm I'm twenty one years old. I was a young young college <laughs> grad too, and just the it was the opportunity. Where I spent a year in in London, living living and working in London. It was just. It was amazing, but all across the company, operations, um, finance, sales, marketing. And then I just got a real appreciation for the programmatic aspect of how this company was going about developing leaders. Okay. And so um, uh, loved my program, loved my cohort. We had Mine was a little bit smaller cohort when we first came in. It was around, we had six of us initially, and um, we were very tight-knit. I was gonna um, say that's with only six, you you almost would become a family in some regards. We we were very close. We were very close, um, and that was a, that was honestly a great benefit of any kind of cohort based program is when you have something, especially if it's somewhat intimate. Uh, I think you create just a it's a natural sense of camaraderie. Um, and that's what that's what we're passionate about now as well too with what we're doing on the um, the leadership multiplication front. So I'm sure we'll get more into that. But um, but I had a, I had great great experience in this Fortune 250. I've also always had uh, a big entrepreneurial spirit. So while I was okay. in while I was in the corporate world, that that kind of manifested itself with building up a little. So you were real there, estate. but you knew it wasn't forever. Yeah, but yeah, just because of the way I was wired. I mean, there was part of me that's like, man, like the people were just incredible. Like, the, the, and the okay. culture was unique. It's a it was just an amazing opportunity. It kind of blew my mind for like what I thought corporate America would be like, and. Um, yeah, so I really did enjoy it. And there was part of me that was like, you know, I could see myself continuing on this trajectory. Okay. But long story short, I was I was scratching the entrepreneurial stuff with some real estate investing and got really into that. And it was it was great because I could manage that kind of on the side with the with the day job. <laughs> side hustle. Exactly. And it, it just kind of continued to blossom over time. Um, and then um, a couple of years ago, so I was there about a decade. And then a couple of years ago, I... Um, decided you know what it's we, we had baby number two on the way and um we were in yeah. chattanooga tennessee as i mentioned and um we wanted to be closer to family and so my wife's family is from down here and it was a it was a confluence of events but it was also knowing that i had this i had this this vision for co-thrive which was how can we really help leaders and companies thrive in a in a unique way i found myself uh given the, the nature of that accelerator program i was i was approached by people that wanted to meet with me and they wanted to say, Hey, how have you, how have you graduated into the roles that you've gotten? Um, I was very involved in the Chattanooga community with local nonprofit boards and whatnot. And I was meeting long story short, I was meeting with about 12 people at, at any given time. I was okay. kind of helping mentor informally about a dozen people. And I realized, you know what, what if I could, what if I could bring these people together What if you could make a company out of this? <laughs> what if you could, what if you could make a company, but it started with really, <laughs> what if I brought these people together and okay. um, I, I, as an entrepreneur, I was um, drawn to the concept of a mastermind group. So I'm, I'm okay. sure some of, some in this audience are familiar with that concept, but it's a really simple concept. It's basically what happens when you bring together intentionally, bring together a group of really sharp, talented people for the express purpose of learning and growing and elevating one another. So entrepreneurs have been doing this for centuries. Um, ben Franklin used to have a group of inventors that he would meet with. C.S. Lewis had his um, group of authors and whatnot, and it and it was just like, oh, like pe people are doing this. They're doing it with like yeah. business owners, entrepreneurs, CEO yeah, roundtables, CEO roundtables, right? And you're like, yep. But yep. for me, it was like, wait a minute, what if what if companies actually approached it this way? And it wasn't just that, hey, we're going to have a cohort based program, and you're going to go through these different modules, and you're going to kind of have a shared experience. But it was actually more than that. It was, you're not only going to have that, we're going to actually work on tapping into the power of the peer group 
and how we can help you guys actually support and challenge each other towards your personal goals, towards your career goals, um, and uh, really tap into the collective energy and expertise of, of the peer group. And so that's where Co-Thrive was born. It's how can we do that inside of companies and do that really well? Got it. And so did you did you just like one day pull the plug and go, I'm just going to jump off and I'm just going to go focus on this? Yeah. When we made the move, we, we kind of was a clean break. So we had we had we had a two week old and we jumped down to Florida. New baby and you thought now is the yeah. time. I'm just going to go yeah. start this thing. Because I knew I knew that I just felt a calling to this. Like Co-Thrive, the reason why the why looks weird in Co-Thrive is it's all about helping 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 it looks very weird but it's about helping leaders helping leaders and companies thrive powered by their why so about purpose about mission what's your why right okay Okay. and so my why and it was burning inside of me my why is the more i got into the space of like l d and i was doing stuff inside this big corporate in l d helping launch a new new programs and whatnot the more i got into that it's like honestly i feel like this is what i'm called to do like i think the best way for me to change the world is by helping equip leaders not that i have all the answers but if i can if i can help equip and build stronger leaders that are purpose-driven that are truly purpose-driven then this is an incredible way for me to have influence and help shape and change the world so that was my why it was burning and at some point it was going to happen and it happened when we had a two-week goal we're making the big jump and we're we're doing it it. (laughs) that's exactly right that's the moral of the story That's the moral of this <laughs> the take home for everyone. Okay, awesome. Well, let's talk about leadership development because, again, I'm I'm digging into this stuff from the practitioner side, but also just from an industry standpoint. And this is this is very much a hot topic right now because the last eighteen months. And so I'm curious your take on this. But I I hear conversations all the time where people go, "Oh, look at all the things that the pandemic created and all the chaos." And I look around and go. This didn't create anything. This was here. Mm. We just weren't seeing it for what it was. And suddenly, all the cracks in the foundation, all the That's spiders came flying out of the, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was it was a mess. It was like all the things that were held together with duct tape and paper clips. The Hoover Dam just blasted through it and went, well, guess you were guess you weren't really as strong as you were and leadership yeah. development was one of these areas where we suddenly realized that the power of our leaders will largely determine how resilient you are as an organization because yes. if it's not there when a pandemic hits boom but i'm curious you know obviously you were in the space in this what did you see happen as yeah suddenly the world went remote all the priorities went out the window as chaos was flying from every direction yeah um you set that up extremely well you're the king of analogies by the way so um i can't wait to hear (laughs) the the the, the other analogies are going to come out of this episode but um you're you're spot on in that i think companies knew cognitively you know the importance of developing leaders before the pandemic i think just kind of underscored and and to your point there were cracks in some of the ways in the foundation of how we were going about doing it and i think it exacerbated and exposed a lot of that and um for one thing i think it just showed that number one we were we were in a real crisis like maybe for for me at least the most significant crisis i would say for most people depending on what kind of craziness you've been in in your industry before but the, the most significant crisis of a lifetime for a lot of people right no one knew where the world was going no one knew no one knew and the the importance of leadership during that time to actually navigate and 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 have a presence that guided people through a time of crisis i think companies realized wow this is this is it's it's paramount it's paramount it's it's where it's where you get your leverage in an organization anyways and 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 a lot of people get that cognitively but it was just exposed in a very real way and then at the same time obviously we we're having this crazy crisis we're also so many companies that are traditionally co-located are now all of a sudden distributed. Now you're trying to lead in an environment that is completely unfamiliar to most leaders. I mean, honestly, most leaders, this was like, okay, now you got to be an amazing leader. Oh, and by the way, the the medium and the way you've led uh, is completely on its head now because nobody's around and you're sitting at home and your kids are there and you're using this tech you're not familiar with. So good luck. The game, the game, the rules of the game kind of changed. The principles remain, the principles remain the same, but the, yes. the rules of the game totally changed. And what we found was that there were some leaders who were very adaptable and handled it in stride. And that's where you realized, wow, 
this this is this again is the value of having an incredible leader who can handle this kind of change. You can navigate crisis, but also uh, the, the the essence of their leadership shine through no matter the medium, right? But then we had a lot of companies, and a lot of organizations, and a lot of leaders really struggle because their leadership style did not play well in this kind of distributed no. environment. They wanted they mm-hmm. wanted to be able. They're the natural micromanagers. They wanted to be able to see. Is, is so-and-so in their seat and um, are, are, they, are they actually doing their stuff and I'm going to check over their shoulder? That didn't play well anymore. Like, it, no, like, it did not. If, you, if you were a micromanaging leader, then you were struggling. <laughs> if you were a command pandemic. and control, yeah, this it, was a very 100%. painful 18 months. Yeah, and, and I think leadership was evolving anyways into this. But again, to your point, this, this just exposed um, so much in terms of, in terms of um, some, of the, some of the issues that companies had with quality of leadership and opportunities for for growth and development yeah well and you know what's interesting about it is and and that's a similar topic that i've gotten into with folks before where they've said you know well this leadership style just isn't working as much anymore and i kind of look back at it and i go i don't really think it ever was working well Hmm. it just worked it worked. You could get away with it, but were you, you get really away with optimizing? That's a great way to say were you really optimizing the potential of your team? Were you really driving, you know, the innovation, the full potential of what you could do? No, you weren't. It's just you could get away with it, and it, you know, it wasn't really necessarily causing as much visible chaos. You were ruining people's lives. You were making them <laughs> miserable. You were doing all these things. Still, that didn't change. Yeah, but at least nobody said anything, and it, it was tolerated, fine. and and you could get it was away. Tolerated. Like, that that is honestly that, that spot is a spot on assessment, Christopher, and I, I think like that's the good news. There's there's a lot of silver linings actually to the pandemic. For for as much chaos as it's as it's caused, it honestly has produced a lot of of good in in terms yes. of in terms of the way organizations approach culture, and the way that um, leaders lead. And we spend ninety thousand hours of our life at work. And knowing it's crazy, most of our waking existence, right, has been at work. And quality of leadership matters. It's, it it's the biggest determinant on your perspective of your of your job and your satisfaction. Even not just your job, as you were saying before, life, right? It's bigger right. than that. No, and, it, it does have a big. It has a huge impact. And and I, and I feel like the, the pandemic has kind of it's 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 underscored the need to have really adept and um, skilled, truly good leaders. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, going back to this, because again, I just, I kind of chuckle at it, but I just think you didn't talk to somebody 50 years ago who said, I love my micromanaging monster of a boss. It's just, it's such, such an effective work environment for me to go to. He yells at me and it tells me what to do and treats me like I'm not a human. It, it's not like suddenly we woke up in 2020 and went, oh, I don't like that anymore type of a thing. We, we <laughs> never did. But I think there, there are a lot of things have changed. You think yeah. about in the past, there was a much deeper separation between work and life. And so people could tolerate it more because it's I go in, I do my thing, I yeah. come home, whatever. It is what yeah. it is. And I just got to get through the day and then I move. Well, now work is essentially so integrated into the fiber of your life. The point you made of a terrible boss can not only make your work life miserable, I mean, it can annihilate your personal life as well because now these lines are so interwoven that it's like, well, this could be bad on all fronts and this can have major effects. So I think that's where suddenly companies that kind of looked at their leadership and said, we probably should do something, there's opportunity, I know we got to get there, kind of like that they were doing with we really should upgrade our technology. We yeah. should be moving to this hybrid workforce, but there's really nothing pushing us into the yeah. pool. Suddenly they got just dumped in the pool with cinder blocks tied to their feet. And it was like, well, <laughs> you better <laughs> fix a, this or it's going to, it's going to drown you. There's another great analogy to, to, to bring this back specifically to development. One of our guiding philosophies is we think that, a company is really winning at development. They're win- you're winning at L&D when it becomes your people's favorite employee benefit. So they look at it like, you know what? One of my favorite things about my company is the way they actually invest in me personally, in, in my career growth, in my, in my growth as a leader. 
And I think it, it presented a big opportunity too during the, the pandemic when teams all of a sudden got so distributed that we're used to being in person and close. Um, there, like the work was still happening, the project meetings were still happening, but the human element started to started to get lost, right? And development L and D is actually it's a tool. It can be a tool and an enabler to actually um, bring a deeper sense of connection to your team. And that's why that's why we're that's why we're passionate about this. Um, it's it's generally in the cohort based space, but specifically, how do you how do you tap into the power of a peer group, and and get them to connect on a human level, um, but also do it in a way that this becomes not something like oh, I gotta go I gotta go through, go through this program because my boss go. my boss my boss asked me to do it or HR <laughs> wants me to do it. I gotta check out these boxes, but they truly look at it yeah. like you know what this is honestly like. This is, this is a reward. This is, this is an employee benefit. The way that I'm being invested in, like, this is actually like on par with my 401k and everything else. This is, this is huge for me. And so that's, that's where I want companies to go. It's to treat it like L and D is an employee benefit. And how can we make it, how can we make it our employees favorite thing about our company? Well, and what's interesting about that point, and I'll, I'm going to add another layer to that because I think, and this is where the caution to practitioners on this space is, you can get to that point and you can lose sight of where you're going and then you end up where we are right now where 75% of executives question the value they're getting out of their leadership development. Touché. Where you can over-index and say, our goal is to make people excited and say, I love this. And what? And so you're, you're focused on NPS scores and the mm. snacks and what lunch you bring in and whether or not people had a really fun experience and yes. you forget the right but is this actually making them better at being leaders because if it's not at some point somebody's going to look at that and go that's great everybody loves it and thinks it's fantastic but we're spending a whole lot of money on this and what are we getting for it and i think that's that balancing act of yeah. how do you get to where you are while at the same time delivering demonstrable value that is a great addition and I'm glad you said that. And what I found to be honest though, is that especially if you have a program of, of some duration, like everybody likes great snacks, everybody likes, you know, kind of <laughs> a fun, engaging workshop, right? But especially if yeah. you have an intentional program, to be honest, people grow tired of that pretty quickly if they individually are not are not seeing growth and results, right? Yes. So I think in order for it to honestly become a true like I, I view this as an employee benefit. This is not like a, a one and done workshop we do here and here occasionally, yep. but the, the way we approach our, our, our team's development in this company, I view it as a recurring employee benefit. In order for that to be true, for even the employee's perspective, I think you have to be seeing the value that you just said from a company perspective. They, they, yes. the, 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 the participant has to be seeing and recognizing their own personal growth and development. And that needs to be translating in terms of the impact they're having at work, the influence that's growing at work, and in their personal lives as well, too. But I, I think in order for that to be true, like it necessitates that the value is also being created. So it's it's a great it's a great addition. Well, and I think that's what we're seeing with these new and this to me is one of the things that gets me excited about where technology is taking this is that instead of just being limited to this event, you now can span this out. But this then adds a level of accountability on us because to your point, all the employees are dealing with return to work, kids going back to school, 9 million projects. They've got a lot of things. And so this whole idea of being involved in something that lasts over time and is commanding their attention, if they're not getting anything out of it, they're not going to stick it out. And so the natural accountability in the teeth is almost being built into the system now because you, you might be able to get people to show up for a day and go, hey, this was fun. Right. If you asked them to come back every two weeks, they'd be like, not a chance. I don't have time. I don't have time for this. So I think that's just naturally creating a better balance. Where's the staying power? What's the stickability? We talk about that a lot in L&D, obviously. But one of my favorite terms for it is how do you, how do you keep momentum, right? Yes. It's not just like, hey, you have to have a you have to have an engaging kind of workshop and experience, but how do you sustain momentum? And yes. for for me, back to like the the power of the peer group, I think it's an incredible way for companies. If you really work on leveraging the power of a peer group to say, you know, there's gonna be times where this this program, however, whatever your program structured like, it's gonna feel maybe not like your favorite thing. It's gonna be like, oh man, I don't have time for this today. But when you see your peers 
who are showing up, who are supporting you, encouraging you, but also challenging you. You create that kind of environment where it's almost like a the, the positive kind of locker room kind of camaraderie and, hey, we're in this together. We're, we all have laid out. We, we know what each other are trying to accomplish and achieve, and we're diving into this particular leadership or, or career development topic today. When you create that kind of environment, it helps you. It's not, it's not a panacea, but it helps you kind of keep and sustain momentum over time. I agree. I agree. So there's, there's two avenues I want to go down, but before I do, I'm going to answer boss's question. Cause Hey, let's, let's do this. So, you know, I think, and, and there's a two parts to this, the distinguishment between learning for development <laughs> That's good. and learning for compliance. And his follow-up piece was, is there a difference? Is that the difference between training or learning? And what's interesting is I actually had a discussion about this. I think it was last week, maybe it was a week before, but we were, I was talking about the fact that you know, develop. I just look at it as development. Development is this progressive. You're growing and you're developing. Whether that's as a leader, whether you're developing a skill, whether you're that. When I think of compliance, I think in many regards we look at this as I have to do it because somebody else told me to. Yeah. And I think that's where there's opportunity, even within compliance, for us to move that into the development category, where we say, that's a "Great point. Done right." compliance actually can be part of your development. But I think a lot of times that's not done because I even think as leaders, there are things around compliance that as a leader, you need to understand so you can understand the implications so that you can actually then navigate some of these things. A good example, I think in the tech space right now, if you don't understand data privacy and security, that may be a compliance topic, but as a leader, you need to understand it to know how to navigate some of these challenges. And so I think there just should be a shift to move from, and again, we're talking L&D terms, but like this training, compliance, just like stuff that you do because you have to, to how do we actually better integrate that all into development? That's, you you're, You nailed it. And that was a great, great comment, boss. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it too, it's about how you, it's a, that's about how you design it. And how you reinforce like the true value, if it is, even if it is like this is a straight compliance, you know, kind of issue. How are we, how are we integrating and reinforcing like what's the business value of this, right? Um, and it's also, to be honest, there's also it's a perception thing too. So like, how are we, how are we, how are we branding it? How are we marketing it? <laughs> that 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 matters as well. But ultimately, it, we need to. What's in it? For, it's the whole like, what's in it for me? And and how is this helping you grow? How is this helping you develop? And how is it helping the company advance? Right. So, well, and I think that's going to tie. There's two areas that I want to go, and I was debating which where I was going to go first. But I think we're going to go into this growth groups first because I think it actually, boss. Thanks for bringing this up because it cool. you helped influence the direction because I was torn, and your question drove <laughs> me to this. Because when we think about how do you even shift from compliance to development? It's really about that personalization of it. How do you actually now say, how does this become relevant to what I'm trying to do? And that doesn't mm -hmm. happen by powering your way through next buttons on an e-learning slide and getting to the quiz at the end. That comes through what we've talked about in terms of these growth groups where it's like, well, how are you using this to accelerate, multiply what you're trying to do and to do that? You need other people, but I want to distinguish this because you talk about growth groups. People may be familiar with cohorts, yep. but we're not talking the same thing because at least as we define this, you can define growth groups. But when we talk about cohorts, sometimes I think the lack of intentionality that can go into that can lead to just, well, this is a group of people going through the same thing at the same time. Yep. Now, that's better than oh, just on yeah. your own, you're on an island, whatever. So that's not to discount the value of cohorts, but what we're talking about when you say growth groups, and you can define that as going beyond just, we're clustering a few of you together and pushing you through the same experience and we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's better than by yourself. Um, yes, great to you up and you're actually making me think, I know we said we wouldn't share screen, but I can, I can pull something up later. That's a visual for this. It's almost a maturity model. It's a, it's a maturity model yes. for how how organizations approach developing leaders, right? And so I can I can share this visual in just a second. But um, the the idea behind it is um, if you have a cohort based program, if you're doing something like that, that's a you have a very mature approach to the way you're approaching leadership development, yes. honestly. And um, and I grew up in a, a, an incredible program. Um, the the cool thing is I'm now working with the same Fortune 250 and 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 this program. 
um, on the growth group side of things because we're, we're trying to supplement and really tie in to where there are some missing gaps. And I guess the distinction I would make is um, a, a lot of cohort-based programs are, as you said, Christopher, they're, they're great shared experiences and you're going through hopefully some really impactful content. I think where where there are typically, not always, some companies are doing this great, but typically where we miss the mark is by failing to failing to really leverage, like how can I inside the group, how can I help them elevate one another? And it's not just yes. like, hey, they're going through this training together, but we're actually gonna we're actually gonna get intentional to figure out how do we unleash the power of that peer group itself to sharpen each other, to support each other, to challenge each other where they need to be challenged in good ways. And, um, and the cool thing is that, of that, about that is not only, I, I think it's, I get passionate because I think it's the best way to drive and keep that momentum, drive the follow through. Um, and the crazy, you, you mentioned the 75%, three quarters of execs feel like their leadership programs are failing. The other tragic statistic that kills me is, um, 95% of hypo talent programs. So high potential talent programs like, like, like this pipeline program I'm talking about 95% fail to drive development follow through. So they might have really incredible training. It might be really engaging, but when it comes to, is this stuff really getting acted on? Is it being applied? Yep. Are we seeing back to that concept of sustained kind of momentum? That's where, that's where we typically fall apart. Right. And so the premise behind, um, we call it the, the broader term for it is leadership multiplication. How can you multiply leaders in your organization? How can you multiply some of your best people? The premise behind it is it's, it's about the way you integrate things that you might be doing really well right now with, the, with your modules, with your programs, but how can you more tap into that power of the peer group where you're tapping into the collective energy, the collective expertise, and you're, you're giving people a forum and you're using hopefully good systems to help them, um, again, encourage, sharpen, challenge, and apply what they're learning. So I'll give you, I'll give you a tangible example. We're talking about the theory behind it. We have a really simple thing that we do with these growth groups. We call it a four by four. So it's, okay. it, it, it's as simple as it sounds. You're going to pick four things. We all have a laundry list of things, right? We all have a laundry list of things that we need to get done in our jobs. You're going to pick four things over the next four weeks. So typically these, these groups are meeting monthly. Um, four things over the next four weeks, four by four, that are really going to move the needle. They're going to be stretch goals. They're not easy layups. But they're, they're things that if you get these four things done this month, you you stretch yourself, you're you're killing it, right? And yeah. what's cool is that they say you're like, I think you're 42% more likely to achieve a goal when you write it down. There's something powerful about getting the focus, getting the clarity, and psychologically kind of committing it to yourself, right? But then, and back to this concept of a leadership multiplication and, and a growth group, when you do that with your peers and you can see, and you have a dashboard, we to the technology piece here and we're piecing multiple things together uh, we use a simple trello <laughs> dashboard for this it's, it's an easy way to do it right you have a column we for said each we participant. were going to bring the technology into we're the bringing mix. it in so there you we're go we trello just did. Boom, there's your fancy tool trello. pepper right there <laughs> the spice <laughs> um but but it's but it's great because you had this dashboard then where you have participants and everyone has the transparency right for christopher these are the four things you signed up for this month Dang, this guy's a badass. Look at the way, look at what he's going after this month. That's that's pretty incredible. And to be honest, what we typically recommend is three professional goals, three work-related goals, right? That are really going to move the needle and, yep. and 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 grow your career, but also really add value in your role. And then um, one personal goal. So maybe you're looking to run a marathon that year, and you're taking bite-sized chunks out of that. Maybe you're looking to write a book. Um, a lot of times, my personal goal. I've been doing this for a while now. My personal goal revolves around family time. I want to do, I want to do at least two special date nights with, with my wife, Lex this month. Okay. Um, so, but, but it's neat because it, it kind of combines a human element, but ultimately it's like, it's a system that not only helps you, helps you focus on things that really are going to drive value at work and, and personally, but it's, it's a way to kind of tap into that peer group to say, Hey, I'm, I'm motivated. Yeah. I'm motivated by seeing, even seeing someone else's goals fires else. me well, up. Sometimes right? Again, with this, sometimes people struggle to even know what could I or should I do on they, – they just struggle with that. And being able to see other people's things and go, you know what? Wow, if if Blake's doing this, you know that, that might also relate to something I'm doing. And maybe I'm not quite there, but maybe I can do a slight iteration of that or things like that that you're talking about. And I think that's a powerful piece. 
A hundred percent. And and it can create synergy inside a company, too, when you have people that are coming from maybe different parts of the enterprise and parts of the organization getting exposed to what other people are doing and working on. But also, in addition to that, it's the it's the transparency and accountability piece. Once you ha- once you're on the board and you're all going after we're, we're a part of a growth journey together, once you signed up for your things, you don't want to be the one slacking. Right. And so that's no. kind of a it's a it's a it's an easy, simple thing. And again, this is not perfect either. But having systems, having having tools that are going to drive accountability, that are going to drive the follow through. How are we applying what we're learning each month? You know, whatever the module is. Um, that's that's where the power is. But it ultimately comes back for me. It comes back to the community, the community and micro community. Right. And so making sure it's intimate enough where you can actually get to know each other on a personal level and you can speak into each other. You can encourage, you can speak life, you can challenge where you need to challenge. Um, that's our, I think it's the best way to kind of go for that momentum that we're talking about. Well, and there's two things you talked about that I want to reinforce on this because I think it's this goes back to and. And speaking of speaking of goals, I have writing a book on mine that I'm in the process of. Um, and it, we can and hold each other accountable about, on that one, Christopher. OK. All right. Well, anyway, um, but but it's talking about and, and this is similar to the theme of it, which is talking about being relentlessly intentional about things like that, because what you talked about, there's a couple points that if you miss this. It's, it's again, it's it's better than just not doing it, but there's so much more opportunity. So when you talked about the four by four example, when you think about this, sometimes when we think about leadership development or any any development cohort, the cohort isn't designed with the intentionality of what do we want people to do or grow or gain out of it? We still are approaching it from the how do we want them to understand more of our content? And, and that's, the, that's the mindset that we bring to it is let's bring this cohort together and Hopefully, by keeping them together, they're going to remember more of our leadership models. They're going to remember more of this content. They're going to remember instead of saying, I mean, that's good. But wouldn't it be better if they walked out of it and maybe they forgot the leadership model, but they were better at leading their teams or they were better at navigating ambiguity or they were better at navigating organizational politics. I would rather have someone come out of a leadership development cohort that can go back to their job and do those things than one that can come back and go, I remember the seven steps of yada, yada. Like, and again, I think sometimes in learning and development, we miss that because we're focused on education, not development. And I think that's a fundamental shift. So, so there's that. And then you can jump in on this because then I think the so other good. piece is there's the fact that that holistic person piece is such an integral part. The professional yep. and personal side of people, you can't just isolate them. So even being able to effectively hold someone accountable or effectively coach or or multiply their experience, you have to actually understand who they are and what they're going through in that moment. Because if someone in your peer group is just had a child or going through a divorce or something like that now changes the way you support and guide and enable them. Then if you're just like, okay, I know we've got these seven steps to being a great leader. And so you're not following through on step number two. So I'm going to just remind you, don't forget step number two. That's a completely different shift. So I'll stop there because otherwise I'll just keep ranting. Preach. I want you to, <laughs> I, I just want you to keep rolling. No, that's, it, it's a, it's such a fair critique, I think. And I kind of on our industry, honestly, is that a lot of times we do get hung up on, like we measure the success based on like our learning objectives. A lot of times are, did they, did they understand this? Like, like did, did we, did we accomplish like the learning element of it? For me, I like to say I'm an absolute geek when it comes to leadership, right? I'm, I'm a I'm a student of leadership. I will be forever student of leadership, but I geek out on the concepts, the theories, all that kind of stuff, right? To be honest, I I could care less if someone else gets the concept and the 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 theory side of it if they're not applying it, right? And so I think like this transition to where is the action? Where is yes. the where is the um, sustained also sustained right the sustained follow through and I think that's where so much of um, programs end up struggling is are you driving this in a way that's actually it's it, you, you mentioned education versus versus true development what I like to say is we're not 
I'm not in the education business. I am in the transformation business. I want to see. I want to see people actually oh, see, that truly. That rhymes better. <laughs> I'm just saying. I want to see. I, like honestly, though, like back to my why. I'm not in this, and I and I have a I have a podcast, um, and I, I love putting out. I love putting out hopefully helpful content. Um, you're uh, Greg Siegel. He's a CEO at Alice. Incredible guy. Had him on my show. If anyone's interested, it's called Leadership on Purpose. You can look up this episode. Um, but he talked about how at, at this company, Alice, they're blowing up as a successful startup. Um, they focus more on the human element that what they call the the five to nine versus the nine to five. What's your five to nine, right? And if you can actually uh, embrace more of the human element and you create, again, you create a forum, create a forum where your people, especially when we are so distributed and it's not, we were talking about before working remotely, you have to be that much more intentional about, about you your personal relationships. But if we can give them a forum where they can, they can connect on a human level, they can actually get to know each other more on a personal level. They can get to know each other's personal goals, whatever you're comfortable sharing, right? Um, and you're also focused on things that are really driving real value at work. Um, and how you're applying it. So we call it each month when we have a module, whatever that module is. So for instance, um, our recent module was on radical ownership. So how, how do you, how do you take radical ownership for your life, for your career, for your leadership? How do you instill an ownership mentality in your team? Right? What does that look like? We had some tangible ways we were teaching this, right? But the takeaway, the growth in action is what are you going to radically own this month? So one of the specific things is take ownership for a mistake, like personally model, what does it look like to authentically own a mistake that you made? Um, give permission to make mistakes. So forgive someone intentionally, like applying what you're doing and then having an accountability for it. So one, one quick thing I'll share is another system that, again, you can apply this in whatever way, whatever your programs are currently, you don't have to do this the exact same way we're doing it. But we have, um, so in between the, the, um, the monthly meetings, we have a, what we call a peer to peer success partner one-on-one. So because success partner sounds so much more positive than accountability, partner, right? So much more positive accountability, accountability partner. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants an accountability partner, right? That's the person who gets after (laughs) you when you're not following through the success partners. Like I mean, but seriously though, sometimes those small changes matter big time. They do, but it also allows back to your point on like the human element. It's saying, Hey, like you have a one-on-one with your, with your facilitator, but you're going to, we're going to give you that, that maybe that's in the beginning of the, of the cohort, but from here on, like you're going to actually be connecting one-on-one in between meetings, debriefing, going deeper, talking about your four by four, talking about how you're applying these things, not just talking about it, but sharing, Hey, these, this is how this is coming to life for me and having a system, a mechanism to kind of drive the engagement. Number one, make sure that you stay engaged and then just Oh, we're only going to think about this when we come back for the actual session. Yep. But also, like the follow through and how you're applying it—that's that's where that's where the magic happens. And and why are we doing it if that's not happening, right? Well, and and I think all of this stuff just comes back to, you know, again, sometimes it's just fundamental. We forget. We say we're focused on outcomes, but we sometimes get what outcomes we're driving towards mismatched and and really we place the our desired outcomes on the end user instead of saying but what is it that they actually need because it's fine we may want to have certain outcomes but is that really the same thing that's important to them to be effective mm. and successful in driving their things and i think that goes back to i mean i got in trouble all the time when i was student teaching in math because I'm like, I don't care if they remember the name of the formula in algebra. What I care about is can they look at an equation and, and solve, solve it? it. Yep. That's what I care about. Do yep. they remember that it's the Pythagorean theorem or the – no, I don't. I don't. What I care about is when they say A squared plus B squared equals C squared, they know that I just do this and that solves the problem for me. And I think sometimes in leadership development – and many ways, this is where we lose our way. We, we lose our focus on ultimately, yes, is it important for those of us designing leadership development, those of us facilitating leadership? Do we need to know that stuff? Absolutely, so that you can actually drive this. But does it really matter that they know that that's what it's all based on? I think that's a question sometimes that we forget to ask. Touche. Killing okay. it. Uh, <laughs> so let me, let me share... <laughs> 
let me shift. But just by the way, boss's suggestion, I'm just, I'm totally stealing this for the next episode. He's like, we have to steal the, what is your five to nine look like? So I'm stealing that. That's going to be the ice. I love it. I'm spoiling it. So, so I'll, Matthew tell, Brown, I'll tell Greg and Alice. This, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let, uh, you know, Matthew Brown, if you're watching this, you now have an extra week to prepare for your eyes <laughs> to prepare for your icebreaker. But I do like that because it does matter that what happens in your five to nine dramatically impacts what you bring to your nine to five. And I think that integration is is seamless and that we saw that happen through the pandemic. And I think there's a greater empathy, which is what has to happen with leaders. A, a, a quick tangent on that. We talk about especially with early early career emerging leaders, like how can you how can you build trust and and how are we doing this? A lot of a lot of these uh highly talented new arrivers to companies are coming in, right? Maybe these special programs, but they're coming in and they're coming into a fully remote environment, right? For a company that used to be totally co-located. One of the best ways you can go about building trust and all the things that you know you're supposed to do, right, as a leader, is to actually intentionally expose the human side of you. And the, the, the more personal things you learn about someone else and your and the more they know about you, the quicker it is to actually be able to build trust. So totally agree. Five to nine. I love it. Use it. I'm going to be looking for it on the next <laughs> on the next episode. It's there. I've already made I've already made the banner. It's prepped for next week. So um, so no, but I think that's well. And this actually drives to the next stage of the conversation, which, you know, boss, you helped me steer this. Um, is so let's talk about some of these skills when we actually talk about because I think this is another area that sometimes we lose our way with leadership development. One is we can be more focused on education than development. And I think, heck, leadership development has the word development in it. It's not leadership education. It's leadership development. Boom. And so that's a quotable how, right there. Hey, <laughs> that's a quotable. I'm going to use that one. Tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the point behind that is, so there's that component, but then there's also this component that sometimes we fail to break down and deconstruct. What are the skills that actually go into being a good leader? And that's where sometimes the intentionality is missed and why we end up focusing on education because we haven't decrypted the skills or behaviors. We focus more on the models or the practices yeah. or the things. And it's like, right, but what does that look like from a behavior standpoint? Because if we don't actually define that and say, this is what it means for you to come out of the other side of leadership development, then it's almost impossible to have the intentionality and construct that you've talked about to say, well, here's how we actually take you on that journey because you're here and we need you to be here and to get from here to here. These are the steps in the growth and the success partnership that we're going to hook you up with to make sure you get to the other side. So I'm curious as you look at this, how do you think about, you know, what are some of these skills that seem to be just surfacing as you go through this? And I'm always fascinated when I talk to folks in the leadership development space to hear what are companies dealing with on a skill standpoint? Yes. Um, I love that you went there. One thing I'd, I'd say just to kind of context is one thing I'm, I'm actually passionate about is a lot of times these leadership programs and the way we approach leadership development, we reserve them for like the specially kind of you're, you're, you're in this because you're either at this level already, or we want you to be at this level. And that's natural. And I think those programs are good. Um, and, and you should be calling people out for special high potential programs. Right. But I think leadership development needs to be happening across the board. And we actually, and we even calling it leadership development, even, even for folks that we don't necessarily see graduating into certain titles, we still want people embracing leadership and developing themselves. Yeah. So we, so we think not to be, not to be, um, to not to go back to too much of the foundations, but we think that leadership starts with you and it's about others. So it starts with you and it's about others, right? It's ultimately, it's about, it's it, the simplest definition of leadership is influence. So to your, to your, to your point, ultimately, however you want to call it in your competencies is how successful you are at influencing people. No matter what your title is, you can have the title. You can be a terrible leader, right? You can have no title yeah. and you can be an extremely effective leader and, and, and 
you can, you can wield a lot of influence, right? And that's what and we want people to embrace. We've, we've all seen those people in organizations where they have they had no the influence. positional authority, uh, yeah. but they can change the direction of the company because they're the person that they just, boom, they say things and all of a sudden things shift. You're like, whose idea was that? Yeah. Oh, that's that's this person over here. They're the you know entry level whatever. And you go, I don't understand. That's, like you said, that's that capability. A hundred percent. And so we think it starts with, again, starts with you. It's about others. It's ultimately about sure. elevating others towards a worthy cause. That's, that's the way we think of leadership. Um, and the way we approach it, you mean, it's competencies. not being in charge and yelling at people and being really good at ordering them around. I as much as we said, can oh, be confused. Right. 30 years ago, that was the apex. That was the apex. The old style of leadership. <laughs> um, but you're, but you're so right. But the, um, so we say it starts with you, it's about others. And what that means is that a lot of the competencies we actually have, we, so we do with the growth we typically do a 12 month program and we start with leading yourself. How, how do you lead yourself really well? You can't lead others to a place that you're not, you can't give, you can't give what you don't possess. Right? So that's why personal growth, personal development matters so much. And so we start really foundationally with that. And then we get into, okay, how do you scale that impact and lead others? So we call it the increase. So pour into yourself, make sure you're healthy. You can't lead others to a place you're not. And then how do you scale that in the overflow of that? So you, you yeah. you're pouring in yourself and that, how that, how that overflows. Um, but there's some, there's some very, there's some specific competencies, obviously that, especially in, in today's age are extremely important. The more distributed we get, um, how, how, how successful you are at building trust quickly. What is, yeah. what does that look like? It's a, that's underpins so much of leadership. Um, two of the traits that we talk a lot about are, and we think it's the most potent combination in leadership is confidence and humility. So are you confident in who you are, what you bring to the table, the concept of, of knowing your strengths and not just saying, Hey, I did the strengths finders and this is what it said I was, but really <laughs> I'm, an every, I'm an INTJ, you know, whatever. Exactly. And those things can be really helpful. I'm not trying to knock them, but yes. what no, we really no, want, what, you mean. What, what we really want is for people to get it at a deep level they, that we, this concept of um natural genius what is what is what is your what is it that you uniquely bring to the table either either you are world class in it right now and you can double down on it or it's something that you can actually become world class in right um so getting them to know that and we have a whole like um personal growth leadership growth plan that they start with and it starts with your why no surprise there back to that logo starts with your why right, yeah. <laughs> how does that how does that tie into where you spend 90,000 hours of your life and I'm tying in a bunch of things here but the, the the human element how you can connect what you really care about what's in it for me right what what are you passionate about what drives you what do you value what is your why how does that tie to what you do for your, the majority of your waking existence right how can you map that to your company's mission or what your company does or what you do in your company. Help that, that's, that's the best way to really engage people. So it starts really foundationally with those things. It starts with saying, you're gonna embrace how you're uniquely gifted. We're gonna double down on that. And we're gonna pick out areas that you wanna grow, right? We're gonna pick out areas that, areas of skill, areas of character that you wanna grow. And then it's, what are the habits? What are the actions? What are the goals that you have that are gonna support those? And on the, on the other end of the spectrum, it's like more, more practical, tangible ways to go about actually leading others. So there's, okay. there's things, one of my favorites I'll, I'll mention real quick is around, we call it the support challenge matrix. And what we find is that the best leaders are high in support, meaning that they're they're for you. They're there to encourage you. They're there to coach you. They're there to help you when you need help. And they're high in challenge. They're, 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 they're very they direct push you to the next level. They're there they to stretch you, you. To be the best version of you while supporting you in that. And, and where I fall down on this, because we're not naturally high in both. Typically we gravitate to one or the other. I totally gravitate to support naturally and I, and I stretch people, but where I fail down or where I really fall down is on the direct feedback, the direct yeah. expectations. I'm from the South. We sugarcoat things. And so <laughs> I, where, where, where I have to know this about myself, right? And so where, where I have worked on growing as a leader and continue to focus is on, is on being high in challenge in the sense of like, Hey, okay. I'm going to be direct in feedback. I want to be direct in communication. And that's more important than ever in this distributed world that we're in today. So I know but, it's a lot, you know, but that's, that's, no, that that's is. a scattered well, answer you know, to the question. Interesting. interesting. It's, well, it's a big question. We probably could have had it. We, and that's why I'm actually glad boss. I owe you a thank you. Cause had we unpacked that box halfway through the show, we probably would have got sidetracked and ended up spending the entire time talking about that. So um, kudos to boss on that one. But I think the two things that I take away or, or would reinforce on that is, you know, first of all, one, 
when we think about this from a um, skill standpoint. I loved your point about the influence piece. You know, when you think about that, that allows you to actually take striations within that and say, okay, if hmm. ultimately being a great leader is about influencing to your point in a positive way, then what does that actually take? And how does that mature based on where you are in the organization? Because if ultimately your goal is to be influential within your sphere, then you have different skills and needs if you're a frontline manager versus True. if you're a C-level executive, because there's just different levels of influence and things you need to consider along the way. But within that, the skills and behaviors that make that up are very similar. Your ability to communicate, your ability to break down complex messages and translate it, your ability to, you know, a lot of these different things and how do you do that? Those are very similar. And it was interesting this week I had a discussion and this kind of gets to the other piece where I'm really trying to push us to think more about leadership development. So often we see leadership development as role focused. Oh, you get into leadership development when you become a people manager. And then we send you to director training when you become a leader of leaders. Exactly. And then, you know, there's executive training when you get to whatever. And, and those aren't bad things by themselves. No, those, those are good no, no, things, no, no. right? Yeah. No. But where I think there's opportunity to say that's good, how do we now take that to the next level and yes. say leadership is a journey that happens regardless of what position you're in. Yep. And that maturity of leading yourself because if you can't lead yourself you're in no position to lead someone else so how do you lead yourself how do you then get to a point where you grow and lead others and then how do you get to a point where you're actually influencing things outside your direct span and then what are the striations between that that's a journey that i think can be applied across the organization and again that's a mindset shift because now you have to think about leadership development less than or more than just, oh, this is only for this tier of people in the company, yes. but instead saying, no, every single individual in this company is on a leadership journey. Yes. And they are at some point in the maturity curve that we need to now take them along from here to here so we can fully have them prepared. And then are we going to nuance by role based on what that looks like? Sure. Absolutely. 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 This is where the nuance of the role specific comes in. But that underpinning leadership journey, that's universal to every employee in your organization. Amen. Amen. That's, that's a great, I want to, I'll tie it back in real quick with um, this concept of leadership multiplication. That's ultimately, I think that's ultimately our goal as leaders in general, but especially in the learning and development space, that's our goal is how can we cascade this process of multiplying leaders. If you look at some of the best people in the organization, you say, what would happen if we could multiply them? What would happen if you take those 10 people and we could actually, like, they could be multiplied across the organization? Honestly, I think if we design intentionally, that should be that should be our goal, and it's possible. And it and it it's predicated on, as you were just saying, it's not reserved for just the people like in these certain titles or moving to these certain titles. We are doing this, and it looks different, of course, by roles, as you said. But we're doing this at every level of our organization. We want yes. people to embrace. I'll, I'll just end with this. I know we're running on time. The thing I get most fired up about is having people choose leadership. And it's not, again, it's not the title. It's I'm going to choose to take ownership. Yes. I'm going to choose to step up. It's a responsibility. It's not a reward. It can be a reward too. But first and foremost, you want to view it as a responsibility to be carried. And if we can be facilitating that and encouraging that inside our organizations at every level, that's where you're going to see incredible leverage. I, I love the way that you ended that because I think that's, that's in many regards a fundamental shift in how organizations look at leadership in general. And even employees may look at leadership that it's truth. It's not, it's very different than how it has historically been represented. And I think making that shift then ties into all these things we're talking about. Because if you approach all these things with that same legacy mindset, hmm. it, it, it all falls apart. It all falls apart. So we, I, I, this is another one of those episodes where you we could probably going. just keep I, I could jam with you forever, man. 
<laughs> we'll just have a leadership afternoon conversation. We'll just have <laughs> learning tech day. Um, so with that, I really genuinely appreciate your time, Blake. I thank you for making it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hopefully, this has given you some food for thought around leadership development versus leadership education and what it really takes to bring that to life and the mindset shifts, the activities, the actual work that goes into it, but also the impact that that can have because this can radically transform organizations for the better and better equip them to survive things when things like these 18 months hit. So thank you for being Amen. here. And Thanks I for having me. I had a blast. I had a, a blast. wonderful weekend. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.